0: Do you want to leverage your hard-earned expertise? That's what we're talking about today here at Second Race. This is episode 93. so much for tuning in for another episode of Second Breaks, where we talk strategies for navigating a changing world of work and thriving in our chosen careers. Now, if you are new here, welcome. I'm so glad that you found me and the show and that I hope that you like it and will subscribe and add this to your podcast list. I would love to be able to chat with you again in the future. Now, I say chat. Of course, listening to this podcast is very one-way, but it doesn't have to be so. In fact, I would love to hear from you. You can find me on Instagram, which is where I hang out these days, at Lou Blazer. You can direct message me and let me know what your career goals are. What exciting things are you wanting to pursue? I would be thrilled to take this thing that we're having here, your this podcast, chat, one-way chat, beyond this uh, one-way listening mode and into a real connection. So do reach out. Speaking of connections... One of the many reasons I love doing this podcast is that I get to meet incredible people with interesting stories and relevant insights that I then get to share with you. And today, I'm very excited to introduce Michael to you. Now, Michael Zabarski is a kind of consultant for consultants. He helps business people run their businesses more efficiently and effectively. But more importantly, he specializes in helping people transition into a successful Consultancy, or simply more success as a consultant, by leveraging and marketing their expertise in an enormously crowded field. Now, right out of the gate, I asked Michael to define what being a consultant means and whether anyone can be a consultant. So, you're going to hear his answer as soon as I transition to my chat with Michael. Michael also shares six principles for running a successful consultancy practice. Now, I am always fascinated by the origin story, how people found their way into their careers, as well as, you know, a sort of peeling back of the curtains to understand what their work is really all about. So in the second half of our chat, Michael and I talked about how he got into this line of work to begin with. What exactly does he do and who his company serves? I hope this conversation inspires your next career move and sparks ideas for leveraging your hard-earned expertise into a new direction. Now, this show, Second Breaks, is brought to you by Ant Thriving. Thriving is a professional network supporting people who want to thrive in their chosen field of work. Anthriving members get access to one-on-one mentoring, resources and tools for designing and planning their career move, and the opportunity to create valuable professional connections. You can learn more about Thriving at antthriving.net. Okay, let's get on with the show, my friend. Here's Michael Zapersky
1: at the kind of most basic level a consultant is someone who uh, helps to solve problems they provide value um, they help someone to reach their goals they're providing advice right so the big difference between for example a consultant and uh, a contractor or an implementer right pure consulting is not implementation so much you're not getting your hands in there twisting all the you know the um, the screws and, and doing all that although you might Right. That's the, that's the interesting thing about consulting is that it takes many forms. Like we have many clients who consult, but they also coach. And so you might think, well, are they consultants? Are they coaches? The consultant role is in many cases, more strategic. It's advisory. You're providing your expertise. You're applying your expertise to serve your client, to help them to solve a problem or to reach a goal or, you know, a desired state that they have to go from where they are at A to their destination at B. Now your second question is, can anyone be a consultant? Uh, I mean, the simple answer to that is like, yes, sure. Anybody can be a consultant, but that doesn't mean that everybody will be a good consultant, right? Um, I'm a big believer that in order to be a consultant, you need to have true expertise and what I'm referring to there is that you're ultimately able to deliver real value to someone, right? So for example, there's some people who would say, yeah, I've graduated from college. And I'm now going to go start my consulting business. And that's fantastic because in some ways that was my story as well. But unless you're able to really identify an area of specialization, a real area where you can apply like deep expertise, then you're probably going to struggle because what most buyers of consulting services want is they want experts. Like most companies, if you look at them, they're filled with generalists. They're filled with people who are, you know, good at like a lot of different stuff, but they're not great. And the reason why a company goes to a consultant or, or, you know, pays for someone outside of their organization is because they have a need for expertise that they can't tap from the generalists within their organization.
0: Just to kind of give context to what I'm about to say. I... Was a management consultant for a long time, but I was employed by a large company. I was a, I was surprised what I was Cooper's, and so I was yep. I wore that hat and sure. it, it, totally what you said about when you are a consultant versus when you are an implementer. And although to, to the companies were all consultants, but really it's different. It's a different role that you're playing when you're implementing something versus when you're there for strategic advice, right? But what I find uh, is that now that I've stepped away from the corporate sort of. Uh, my corporate career. And I have seen a lot of people outside of that sort of environment use coaching, consulting sort of site It's
1: it's just, it's an easy word to describe um, almost like business these days. Like, oh yeah, I'm a consultant. Like it's very easy for someone to say that. And that's really what I was uh, referring to is that it's an easy word for people to use, but just because anybody can call themselves a consultant doesn't mean that they're going to be a good consultant and the other thing that I would say is it like to make a distinction right so we have many clients who actually have kind of like been in your position right they've worked for large consulting firms or whatever it might be but that I would say um, and even if you're an indep- "quote independent consultant but you're working let's say through an agency you're really more you're a consultant or you're a contractor but you're not a consulting business owner and that's a really big distinction because you might have deep expertise, right, as a consultant working within uh, KPMG or Accenture, whatever it is, but then you go out on your own. How do you apply that ex? Like applying that expertise is not the problem, but how do you build your business? How do you attract clients? How do you you know, win proposals, how do you set your fees? All these things actually come with running and growing a consulting business is really the difference between someone who's a consultant or a contractor who essentially gets fed work and applies their expertise and then a consulting business owner or an entrepreneurial consultant, as we like to call them, who really is applying expertise at the same time as growing a business. So that's more of like the, the area that we play in.
0: One thing that I, I wanted to put a pin on, because you mentioned it earlier, you said that, you know, of course anybody can be, can be a consultant. But what's uh, one of the key factors in being a good consultant or a successful consultant is you actually have deep expertise in an area yes. so that you can deliver value to your clients. And so I was wondering along those lines, other than expertise, uh, in a, in a specific area, are there other sort of I guess characteristics that you might say that someone would be ideally suited for a consulting role or as a consultant
1: for sure the the number one most important this is actually um, a way to tell how i wouldn't say necessarily successful but at least seasoned someone is and um that is the the depth and the uh, the clarity and the meaning and kind of the the power of the questions that they ask right so an early stage a novice consultant will go in and they'll try and give all their input they'll try and you know share their presentations and show their methodology and they're going to want to talk and say yeah here's how I can help you and they'll ask questions but their questions are are very surface level like okay this sounds interesting tell me about uh what you know what success looks like or like what do you want to achieve here okay, great. Uh, and what's your timeline? Okay, great. And what's your budget? Okay, great. Like, let me put together a proposal and I'll send it off to you. Yes. That's surface level, right? What they're missing is, is the depth and the value that you want to identify. And that comes from asking a lot of meaningful questions that comes from, as I often kind of describe it, like peeling back the layers of the onion, right? Where you're going deeper and deeper and deeper to ultimately you reach like the core. And the core is what drives the buyer. The core is the reason for why they're doing this now and not waiting six months. And it's what impact it's going to have on their organization, on the morale of their employees and on their stock price and market share and everything else. Like you're looking at all these things that really is the the reason for them to do this now. Uh, and then with that knowledge, you're able to communicate that back to them where the focus is on value it's no longer on price it's no longer on hours or you know inputs or deliverables it's about the transformation that they want to to achieve and when you're able to convey that then not only do you differentiate yourself from all the other consultants that the buyer has been speaking to you know you've raised your level of authority you've uh, created a lot more conversation around value and then when you present your proposal you're in, you know you're going to be not only winning at higher fee levels because you're talking value, not cost anymore. But buyers are also more excited to move forward quickly because it's an investment. Like they see the benefit and value and the outcome and the result, not just, oh, yeah, we're going to get some recommendations from a consultant.
0: It's sometimes the the trap, I'll call it the trap of an expert in a particular area is that they're dying to talk about their expertise.
1: Right. 100%. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's the thing I mean, I've i often felt. And I know for myself that as a consultant, I'm, I feel like a teacher, right? I like to teach. I like to help people that actually, even if I meet somebody on the street and, you know, they're asking where, like, do you know where this place is? Or, uh, they need some help and I, and I'm able to help them. I feel good about that. Even mm. if like, maybe I'll never see them again in my life. Most likely I won't, but just feels good to help people. And I think most consultants like that feeling. Most consultants want to apply their expertise But what you learn or should learn as quickly as possible is you need to also hold back because it's not about what you want. It doesn't matter if I feel good that I'm helping someone or not. I'm having the conversation because I need to care about what the person on the other side of the table or the screen uh, cares about. And so my question should be geared towards them, to understanding them. And then once I really understand what it is that they're looking for and what value they care about, then I can actually help them by, uh, positioning an offering or extending, you know, an invitation to look at what that next step would be that ultimately serves them and allows me to demonstrate and showcase my expertise. So for the consultant, it's, you know, think less about, um, transaction and think more about relationship. Mm. If you're focused on transaction, you're trying to like push the deal through right away. You need to make it happen. You need to prove yourself now because there's no other best time. Like it's at this exact moment. I only have one chance. And so I have to make the most of it, but the reality is it's not like that. You have more than one opportunity. You have plenty of time, but you need to engage someone. You need to have a compelling message. You need to give them a reason to actually want to speak with you uh, more than once. And so you don't do that by talking about yourself because they don't care about you. They care about themselves. They care about, you know, what, whatever they're dealing with. And so if you show them that you have empathy and you show them that you understand their situation, that you're interested in, that you can bring some expertise to the table, Uh, Even through some of your questions by maybe referencing their industry or some things that you've uh, you've noticed right or observed uh, Now that does get their attention. They want to continue talking with you
0: that is so true because the quality of the questions also even if you're not necessarily providing the answer or quote-unquote teaching but the quality of the questions you're asking also can point to your level of your level of understanding of the issue or the challenge in the industry or the particular thing that they're they're facing right exactly totally No, I was poking around your um, your website uh, a couple days ago in preparation for this um, for this conversation that we're having, and I know that you have. That's
1: why I got a pain in my side. Uh, You were poking so (laughs) hard. Yes, exactly. I was
0: poking, poking, (laughs) and um, I know that there was something there was something that I saw there that I I was wondering if you wouldn't mind talking a little bit about. And I think you were talking about principles for running or principles of running a successful. Uh, virtual consultancy. And would you mind so much sharing with us, you know, what those principles are?
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, actually just last week I was um, at WeWork downtown um, sharing this exact, gave a a little presentation around like the six principles that we've used to run uh, a seven-figure consulting business while still traveling the world with my family. And just a quick backdrop, because this was an an hour-long presentation. I know we don't have that much time uh, today, so I'll, I'll kind of do a real brief. But uh, yeah, last year I spent about five months, um, outside of the country traveling with my family while still running and growing the business. Um, and so the reason why this came about is I was having a conversation with one of our clients uh, about that and about kind of how we do it. And they're like, well, wow, that's so interesting. And I thought, well, yeah, they're interested. Maybe others are also interested in this. And mm-hmm. it's been uh, interesting for me to see the level of, um, I guess, again, coming back to interest that people have in this topic, which is like, how do you create more freedom? How do you run and grow a business uh, that is meaningful and so it's not just about generating more and more revenue most of our clients aren't looking to build a billion dollar organization they don't want to take over the world they want to spend more time with their families they want to uh, travel the world they want to you know make an impact on on clients while still having an, uh, and earning a great income, right? So here's the the six principles. I'll just go over them quickly. And then if you want to dive into any one of them more, just, just let me know. I'm cool, happy please. to do that. That's fair. Uh, yeah. So number one is a simple business model. And what I mean here is oftentimes people overcomplicate their business models. They try and have five, 10 different offerings that they think that having more is how to grow your business. But in fact, it's subtraction, not addition that is more powerful in in growing companies number two is team and support so one of the reasons why i'm able to do what i'm able to do is because i don't try and do everything myself i've tried that when i first started my consult first consulting business 19 years ago um and i learned from that experience you must that in order have been
0: 10 when you started that first consulting. Business. no i just i just
1: use really good moisturizer that's what it comes down to uh no but i, I did start my, yeah i started my first consulting business um when I entered university. So when I just left high school. So I, I had a, I had an early start. Um, and yeah, it's, it was a, it was an amazing experience to be consulting for and working with companies like Panasonic and Dow Jones, Japan and financial times, Japan, and, um, Sumitomo and a whole bunch of others when I was in my twenties, mm-hmm. uh, was cool times, but uh, number two is, t- is team, right? So building a team. So we have a team. And when I say team, a lot of people think like, Oh, I don't have the money to do that. It's, you know, they don't have the resources and you don't need to have a lot of that stuff to build a team. I'm not talking about having full-time employees. I'm talking about figuring out what can you delegate in your business so that you're not trying to do every little thing yourself. Um, and there's many ways to do that, but I'll just leave it at that for now. And we can go into it more if you want. Uh, number three is process. Mm-hmm. So process and systems, making sure that you have good systems in place. We have systems in our business for like onboarding clients, for how we handle calls, for how we set up um, enrollment conversations, everything that we do, pretty much anything that happens in the business more than once should have a system or a process attached to it. And the more that you do that, the more that you can then start to delegate and offload those types of things to other team members. And that's a way to create scale, right? So when I'm like running down the beach with my daughter in, uh, in Northern Spain on the Costa Brava, like I don't have to worry about is, you know, this person getting that thing, uh, or because we have a system in place for it. Right. Um, and of course no systems are not bulletproof. They have, you learn from them, but that's the nice thing is you're always able to improve them once you at least have one in place. Um, then next I would say, uh, prioritize. So this is really, really important because I think so many people start off their day just doing a lot of stuff. Like the worst thing is checking email. You get lost in it for an hour. It's like, you think, yeah, I have to do this right now because I have clients and if I don't respond to them, they're going to, they're going to die. And if they die, they're gonna sue me, and all these different things are gonna happen. I have to respond to my clients right now, or else nothing this whole world will happen. So, like, you know, let's just be real. You don't have to respond to your email right away. That's the worst time to do it when you first start the day because you get sucked into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm talking beyond email. I mean, everything that you do, prioritize it. Like a great question to ask is, what one step or one one action or one activity can you do today that will move your business forward more than every than anything else? Because there's a very big difference between valuable work and busy work and too often people spend time doing busy work because busy work is easy work it busy is work true. is right like playing with your website writing, updating your business plan changing your logo format presentation that's that's busy work you don't need to be doing that you shouldn't be doing it it's not valuable valuable is like following with with ideal clients right sending a proposal doing client work Those those are valuable things right prospecting all that kind of stuff so that's number four in terms of priorities number five is what I would call consistency over tactics. Hmm. And uh, with this, what I'm referring to is most people these days, and I think probably all of us have fallen victim to it at some point, we are focused on like the shiny object, like the latest thing that's out there. And we believe that it's the way to our success is by um, uh, implementing a tactic that is working for someone else. So maybe it's about like webinars or it's about, Uh, starting a podcast, or it's Mm. about doing something on social media, or it's about sending this email sequence, or it's this LinkedIn automation thing, or like whatever it is. But those are tactics. Those things by themselves don't grow your business. They're tools. So what's actually most important is being consistent with your outreach, being consistent with your follow-up, making sure that those things are scheduled. So identify what needs to happen, the the most viable kind of impactful areas of your business. Do those consistently, Mm. and don't jump around from tactic to tactic. Um, We've been... I think pretty good at doing that. We have people all the time, t- you know, sh- sending different ideas to us, wanting to collaborate, you know, things of that nature. Some of them that look like we could make a lot of money from them, but we're not focused on the transaction. We're not thinking short-term money. We're thinking long-term relationships and value creation. And so by having that mindset, it allows us to say no to a lot of the wrong things that are short-term and stay focused on the things that we feel ultimately maybe we're wrong, but it seems to play out for us like are more on the long-term value side. Right. Um, And then number six, finally, is really what I would just kind of say is, like, decisions. And decisions are about becoming very clear uh, for what you want. Like, what do you really want? Because these days, many consultants or people, coaches, whatever, you know, whatever you are, are told, especially online, that there's one way to do something. Like, as an example, group coaching is the best model out there, right? Right oh no, uh, one-on-one is the only way to make an impact or it's courses or no, you can't build a meaningful company unless you have 50 people. Like there's all these different ideas that people have. And the reality is that every single one of them is right. And every single one of them is wrong,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: but that's not what's important. What's important is figuring out what is important to you, right? So get clear on the model that supports the lifestyle that you want. Uh, and then you can build a business that actually gets you to that place. So that's what I'm referring to when I'm talking about decisions. It's like really getting clear on what you want, and then that will allow you to be much more intentional with how you play out your day to day. And so in, in my case, you know, like spending time with my family is a priority. That's a decision that I decided a long time ago. That uh, not that long ago, but you know, a few years back. That I didn't want to just build a business and just chase money. I got to a point where when I was younger, I that's what I was focused on. It was, you know, making money. I had some certain goals and targets. And then when I reached those, I kind of set it to the next level. And then I got to a point where, yeah, it's like money is nice, but it's not about the money anymore. It's about making sure that you can enjoy it because there's plenty of people who have lots of money and then, you know, they're miserable or they die. And like, what's it all good for? So having a good balance between, what's important to you making the right decisions um you know making the right amount of money that you can then uh support the lifestyle and freedom that you want that for me is is what's most important i think uh, the the way that i make decisions right now just to kind of give some context to it is about memories
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh so if if i believe that something is going to create a, a memory then i'm happy to spend money on it like that's that's worthwhile to me but i'm not interested in most cases, in materialistic things or other things of that nature, if, if there's no money, if there's no sorry, uh, meaning behind it, if there's no real memory that can come from it, so that's how I approach it. It's not how necessarily how you know you or anyone else should approach it, but those are at least the six principles that we use in our business consistently that have allowed us to you know grow that level and continue growing while while achieving a lifestyle that we we enjoy quite a bit.
0: There are a couple of points that I wanted to dig deeper, but the one is one of the the I think it's the very first uh, principle that you talked about. It is so tempting to want to be all th- not all things to your clients, but to provide as much variety to your clients to be that you know end to end sort of service provider sure. or consultant to whatever it is, right? And to your to your point, sometimes we make it more complicated by coming up with all kinds of different packages or all kinds of different service offerings, when in fact, it's, it's just more confusing perhaps for our clients.
1: Well, it's more confusing and it's less profitable, right? I mean, if you look at any business around the world, you will typically find that by analyzing where their sales come from, that um, most of their sales, right? Or most of their profit will come from a certain number of, of products or, or clients. I mean, Perry Mm -hmm. Marshall talks about this really uh, well and, um, in his in his book 80 20 sales and marketing, Richard Koch talks about this a lot in all of his books around 80 20. But and it's not always 80 20. It might be 70 30. It might be nine ten. Right. But the idea is that um, in most cases, when you try and do a lot more, when you try to create growth through addition you end up um, eroding your margin. You end up becoming less profitable. You create a lot more work, a lot more overwhelm. And I think that's a mistake that people make is you go into it with the idea of thinking, well, I'm doing more, and so that should create more. But in fact, it's, things aren't equal, right? So the, the opportunity for people is to become very clear on like what is most profitable for me, what is most enjoyable, what is a whole bunch of other criteria and factors. And then it's do more of that, not mm. more of a whole bunch of other stuff.
0: Not create other things, but focus on that thing. Right. Yeah.
1: Unless, unless what you enjoy doing is creating. Like I I interviewed um, someone for uh, a consultant on our podcast, the Consulting Success Podcast, who's a really well renowned uh, leadership consultant. And I like, he he told me what he does in his line of business. And it's like everything. I I just, I was blown away. I was like, man, how do you
0: do 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 that? (laughs)
1: And he's like, well, yeah, our clients want it. So we just figured out a way to do it. But he's at a place where like, he enjoys doing that. That's what gives him happiness is to create like these new little ideas and concepts. And if that's what you like, cool. But to me, that just sounds like a big headache and overwhelm. And it's like, why, why really do that? If you can achieve the lifestyle that you want, the income that you want, you can have great prospects for for growth and like just more is not the way to go. And, and, And if you also study, the most successful companies when they first got started and the way they really gained traction they didn't do it by having tons of different offerings or products or services they focused with like some very specific ones um rock bridget book called simplify actually talks uh, is a good example of that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the um, uh, famous, more famous Steve Jobs stories was when he came back to Apple, and one of the first things he did was he scrapped a lot of the, a lot of the uh, offerings or products that yep. uh, came up, and just focused on two or three. I think at that point. So yes, absolutely. Yeah. Just curious, how did you get into this kind of work?
1: Uh, so. I just start, I started at a young age I mean my, my background um in terms of work before what before high school or throughout elementary school and high school, I did all kinds of random jobs. Uh, I worked in dusty warehouses. I put big piles of sod to lay grass um I worked in my stepfather when he was still um alive in his electronics store. Uh, I worked in um, a used sporting goods store selling s- like secondhand snowboards and sneakers and all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, I also sold knives. I sold Cutco knives. the nose Cutco. <laughs> I, did, I did some of that. Uh, and I have a nice trophy because I was, I was a, good, <laughs> a good salesperson at it. But what I learned from, and I'll take you back in just a second, but just I think beneficial to everyone here is what I learned in all those roles is that I never made sales or I never accomplished something by by pushing or by trying to persuade or by quote unquote selling, yeah. rather I try to connect with people, and I still find that plays out like whether I'm doing some kind of real estate deal or you know we're working with a client or like whatever we're trying to accomplish it's always always about connecting with people and figuring out what is meaningful to them, and that that's how you you know create movement now, back to your question so uh, when I went into university my first year, my cousin Sam, and I was still my business partner to this day we decided we would start um, a company together and it was a web design um, and development firm way back when websites were kind of just get, you know, getting going at that time. And we, we put that out there and he was doing like the design and the development. I did the client interactions. We had fun doing that. We said, let's start another company because we realized that we didn't want to do the tech stuff. We enjoyed more like the visual and the marketing and the branding side. And so we started a, a consultancy called Kanke culture. Kanke in Japanese means relationship. Mm. Uh, and Uh, that was going really well. I actually ended up going over to Japan and opening up a branch office for our company over there. And that's where we worked with um, large Japanese organizations like Panasonic and Sumitomo and Omron and a whole bunch of others, uh, helping them to get their products and services uh, into English uh, speaking markets. Uh, And then when I came back to North America, I started uh, another consulting firm called Relogy Marketing, standing for Relationship Strategy. And that was all uh, very focused on lead generation for mm. professional services firms, uh, and I worked with law firms and accountants and investment companies and other consultants. Uh, and through that whole time, and that that business I was running without Sam, we had, we did a you know two businesses or so together. Then we each did our own thing, and then we after that we came back together. And so today's business consulting success. We've had a few other companies that we've um we've kind of built up and sold even during that time, but consulting success today really came from uh wanting to share like coming back to what we talked earlier like the whole teaching we just said hey let's do something online because we had both spent time in japan and overseas we have kind of international backgrounds uh, in terms of growing up in different places and all that and we wanted to do something that would allow us freedom to travel and just you know earn income and generate all that from online but we didn't know how and so what we started to do way back 10 years ago is we just, I I started writing articles on, on consulting. I started sharing like what was working, what wasn't working and a community started to build around that. And you know, the rest is kind of history. We have 34, 35,000 people that read the newsletter each week. We have, you know, thousands of clients all around the world. We've helped, um, yeah, hundreds of consultants to to grow their businesses. So it all came from that. But when we first started, we didn't really have a plan around monetization. We, we did it as a side thing as we were both running our other companies and, and businesses Um, just as a way to kind of see what would happen. And and as there's more interest, then we put more into it.
0: Uh, This company that you run now is with your cousin.
1: That's right. It's a a family business. There you
0: go. (laughs) So are your clients primarily companies or individuals? Like who do you work with primarily? Yeah.
1: So consulting success, um, our clients are really two segments. They're Either independent consultants, so solo independent consultants, or they're small consulting firms. Mm. And we support two main groups. Those that are already, they've been consulting for quite some time. They've done quite well, but they want to grow beyond where they currently are. In most cases, they've got to where they are because they had some good referrals and their network and all that kind of stuff but they don't know how to actually market and, uh, scale and package and all that kind of stuff they're, they're offering. So we help those people to get to that next level, but we also have a group of people who are experts kind of from the corporate world, right? Mm-hmm. They've, they've worked jobs, uh, in some cases, very, very senior in organizations. Sometimes they're consultants, right. Who have worked in, uh, consulting firms, but now they want to get into consulting, like running a consulting business themselves. And they want some support to do that. So we have, um, experience uh and kind of you know offerings and services and products for for both of those groups.
0: So for the for for the second uh the second group of people for the for those who yeah. are maybe coming off of a, a corporate career and wanting to take their expertise to a con- and to build a consulting company do you are you basically helping them set up their business or create a bis- their, create their business?
1: Yeah, so we for those people we have um a program It's called Momentum that really takes them through like step by step, starting, running and and growing their business. So from it covers some, you know, even the most basic things like around coming up with the right name for your business and uh-huh. how to structure it correctly. And like, what do you actually need to run a consulting business? But for some people, they're able to go through that early part very, very quickly because they're already beyond that. But th- then it gets much deeper into, like, how do you really identify your specialization? How do you develop messaging that's going to resonate with ideal clients? How do you apply that messaging to your website, to your materials? How do you then think about your pricing? How do you think about your offerings, right? And how do you do that? Because many variations of those things, how do you find the right one for you? What actions should you be taking throughout all this, right? What marketing is uh, tactics and strategies are the best for given your situation, how do you approach it? So our whole thing is not just to give people information because I think we all have plenty of information surrounding us, we really wanna help them to implement. And so Momentum is more of like an implementation program where we have plenty of trainings and videos and um, you know, action lists and scripts and templates that people can access and then right away start to implement. Um, and that's really where progress comes from, right? Mo- momentum. The, the reason we chose that name is because that's like what business is all about, right? It's about taking those first few steps, feeling like you're on the right track, you're building up momentum, and and so progress also comes from that. So we want to help people to take action as quickly as possible.
0: Gotcha. And the people that you're working with, these are all um, services provided online. They don't have to be with you in Vancouver, Canada, or or do you oh, travel so- or.
1: Yeah, I mean, our clients are all around the world. Um, we have clients uh, in in Asia, in Eastern Europe, Western Europe, Africa, throughout North America, Central America. I mean, you you name the country, there's a good chance we've we've worked with someone or we've had a customer from one of those countries. Uh, so the location is not actually so much of an of an issue, um, the because we're not helping someone. So for example, I had someone reach out to us today who's. Uh, based in the middle eastern country and he said hey like does this apply to what what we're doing mm-hmm. um and i said like yes because i'm not going to teach you how to be a better better pharmaceutical consultant like i'm not pharmacy is not my you know pharmaceuticals is not my background drugs is not my background that's your domain right you're the expert there but we're going to support you on the on the business side and we've worked with others in these countries that are similar nice. to yours. so of course i mean you know this lou like with different cultures, there's nuances, right, that come with countries and cultures and languages and all that. So we have to be sensitive to those and we have to uh, a shift, right, the the approach based on that. But the overall foundation of establishing a strong consulting business um, applies regardless of your location and lo- and regardless of your industry. And so we have people across many, many industries, many countries, because we're just focused on the business part of it
0: could you maybe tell us a little bit about or tell us where we can find you, where we can find out a lot more about your company and also talk a little bit about, you said podcast. So I think you are a podcaster as well. So could you talk, about, could you mention what that is or, you know, the the name and all that kinds of good stuff?
1: Sure. Yeah. So uh, the consulting success podcast is what it's called. Uh, and it's where I interview other successful consultants again, all around the world, all different industries about how they got to where they are today. So we really look at the steps that they took to grow their business. Uh, we get pretty detailed around like actions they took and how they, uh, approached it and how, what would they would do differently. Uh, and so we have some really great people on that and that show continues to grow. So yeah, you can just find that on iTunes or however you listen to podcasts. Um, it's just the consulting success podcast. And then In terms of where people can learn more, uh, consultingsuccess.com is the best place. Uh, But we also do have uh, a 51-page free guide Mm -hmm. that uh, is called the Consulting Blueprint that goes kind of a lot deeper into some of the best practices for growing a consulting business. And so if people want to get that, they can get that for free by going to consultingsuccess.com forward slash blueprint.
0: Excellent. Well, I'm definitely going to put a link to that and the podcast and everything on the show notes for this episode. So thank you so much, Michael.
1: Hey, Lou. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you.
0: So what do you think? Have you ever considered taking your expertise as a jumping off point for a career as a consultant? What makes this an exciting option for you? And conversely, what worries you about it? Hit me up on Instagram and let me know. You can find me and direct message me at Lou Blazer on Instagram. I would love to hear from you. Okie dokie, that about wraps it up for this episode. You can find the show notes at secondbreaks.com forward slash episode 93. Michael mentioned a couple of books during our chat. You will find all the links in the show notes. Again, secondbreaks.com forward slash episode 93. Thank you so much for listening and being with me for a few minutes today. I cannot wait to chat with you again next week. I will be back with a new topic to help you move forward with your career goals and step into the future you want. Until then, keep on making your debt, my friend. Cool beans!